0: Fuck, what was this episode called? Hidden Terrors. Hidden Terrors.
1: Hidden Terrors. Start Hidden
0: Terrors.
1: Hidden Terrors. The ExoSquad. Wake 1.
0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Exo Squad Goals, an ExoSquadcast podcast about exo squad a 90s cartoon show that everyone loved if you remember it at all i'm chris mastalone i'm ryan harnedy
1: and i'm an artist rendition of chris farantino
0: (laughs) they did a really good job especially on like you know like the eyes and on the lips especially
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you well you know how like harrison ford everyone says are you harrison ford he says i used to be um (laughs) that's one of my favorite things and i want to start
0: using it do when, when people identify me in public. <laughs> Is this an Exo Squad podcast? It used to be. It used to be. <laughs> so, on this episode, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 3 Hidden Towers. Hidden Towers. <laughs> Hidden Towers. <laughs> and yeah, so when we last left our heroes, they were uh, in pursuit of the pirates. The pirates had retreated back to their, their base rather than just, you know, dying which was kind of a novel concept to them dying was plan
2: plan a i should point out yeah a and b until uh,
0: mustachio said you know we could not do that
2: yeah one thing i did notice in this episode is Simbaka is all, is big on this idea of the next battle because after things don't go well on uh Enceladus, he's like we'll have a next battle on tethys and he like just learned that there were two there could be more than one battle like last episode he does also say quite a bit like <laughs> if we have to be killed we're going to go out <laughs> with dignity.
1: He's like several <laughs> no, times God. he keeps saying, well if we have to die and everyone's <laughs> like we don't have to. We don't have to do that.
0: Yeah, what an honor to be killed. No, 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 no. We're good. <laughs> Just we have another base. And I like that they never mention the other base until like the very last second
2: and it's it's
0: just like oh yeah we could we could just leave that's that's an option too
2: yeah it's like well let me stroke my lion mane sideburns and consider this he he carries like a pistol with one shot in it at all times yeah
0: (laughs) yeah dude dude is hardcore can i also say that every time they go to like an extreme close-up of him in this episode it's fucking terrifying it's like his face takes up the whole frame and it's not very well drawn
1: I don't know if it's this episode or episode four, but there's some extreme angles that, that, that they <laughs> did the animated from, like oh, people's noses, and I'm like, that's a bold
0: animatronic, anima, animated task. There, hell's yeah. So what? So like, what happens here? Let's do this a quick episode, a quick I'm so good at transitions, by the way. So what?
1: What is? What do you like to eat for dinner and food and and? <laughs> hidden hit on <hidden tables? laughs> So we pick up. There's, of... there's this attack on this moon outside of, <laughs> of Saturn, and they <laughs> they orbitally bombard this moon, which is lo fi as Chris Mastalone once said.
0: Um, yes, dude, they're not
1: getting in there. They're just hanging back. So they blow. Up, they blow up all the defenses, and then someone says, "Move the carriers to optimal." level targeting sensors show all surface installations damaged or destroyed well shall we move in for the kill admiral it appears you're right captain order the fleet to optimum blaster range marcus to fleet all ships forward to optimum range which i think is amazing that that's the level that 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 they can be at is optimal level
2: yeah <laughs> and and, the, and that they began that battle at a suboptimal level like, well, we can just start it okay, and if things go bad, we'll go to the real good stuff. <laughs> Move the characters a, to, like, okay level. That's some Men in Blazers shit
0: right there. Yeah, man. man. <laughs> um,
1: so then uh, Nera joins up with the jump troops to be their liaison, and JT and the other E-frames get sent in to pursue the attack, but the pirates were being sneaky and had
0: other weapons other batteries that they had hidden wait wait pirates so they're actually just not going to like you know stand up and die like they always want to (laughs) it's like there's a constant tension
1: amongst the pirates about what the course of action should be die or keep fighting
0: can i just say we also get introduced to mustache man's like counterpart which is like blonde afro dude oh yeah that guy rules yeah he's like commander pirate and he's just there, and his one job is to press buttons whenever Simbaka says. That's
1: like half the jobs in the Exo Fleet. Commander Simbaka, the enemy has entered the caves. Then activate the holographic cloaking field.
2: That scene also has one of my favorite lines, which is when uh, Nera gets attacked, and uh, she gets taken prisoner. JT goes, they must have taken her prisoner. And then Marsala goes, not good. Pirates don't take prisoners. That's her,
1: Ephraim. They must have taken her prisoner. <sighs> not good pirates take
2: no prisoners so that's literally what they
0: just did <laughs> lots of mixed messages
1: yeah a lot of pirate fake news so yeah here's a quick here's the here's the quick the highlights of the episode as far as i'm concerned or i was when i was taking these notes so <laughs> Nara gets taken prisoner um the pirates are shooting back at the ships winfield gets injured because he's standing too close to a computer which everyone knows is a no-no <laughs> in space Which puts Marcus in charge, <laughs> which is always fun, because he has no... <laughs> I don't know how he got this job. I have no idea how he yeah, got he's promoted. He
0: completely unqualified for anything.
1: So Marsala and JT basically end up saving Nara, and Marsala, you can see he clearly has some sort of feeling for her, despite the fact that JT reassures her that, no, he can feel nothing.
0: I miss my family, JT.
1: We all feel that way, Nara. We all have someone to miss we have to remember what the exo fleet means to us.
0: What about Marsala? He was so kind.
1: I wonder what being on the squad means to him. He's one of us, but Marsala's a Neo-Sapien. He doesn't feel what we do. He can't, he's just not wired that way. Oh, my favorite, my favorite part of this episode is that there's one Neo-Sapien that's in a, like an accountant who, <laughs> who discovers that a lot of money's gone missing and confronts Phaeton about it. Governor Phaeton, it's good of you to meet with me. I always have time for the finance minister of the Martian Commonwealth. But why did you ask that we meet in this factory and in secret? Governor Phaeton, someone has diverted funds on a staggering scale. The Martian treasury has been looted. And when I inform the Homeworld's Congress, they will demand an answer. To avoid scandal, I, I must resign. And then Phaeton, who has been keeping this information from
2: him, decides to tell him the entire plan that he's been building a his own exo fleet. Well he, well, he breaks into the files first and then he sees the numbers are crazy. He sees the numbers are crazy. And then Phaeton tells him the plan and then has his brain wiped. <laughs> i believe
1: it's a pretty serious task
2: <laughs> yeah so and then the
1: episode kind of ends with the most pleasant war music of all time as <laughs> as the
0: neo-sapiens start attacking the home worlds i'm not gonna lie i almost fell asleep while it was happening
1: it's it's like the, it's like it's like clarinets it's like i don't know slow benny goodman well people are, <laughs> the world is getting destroyed
0: yeah and they really go after the sydney opera house
2: yeah, man, they fucked that thing
1: up. <laughs> people hate whenever you see this in shows and movies. People hate landmarks. Yeah, there's no, That's how they attack. Is like, can you get the Sphinx? Get the Sphinx.
2: Like, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, they really fuck up the City Opera House, and uh, they fuck up. I think Diamond Head too in Hawaii is uh is attacked. Yeah, which is like of all the things you're gonna go after, like. A volcano? I choose to believe that in the year 2200, Honolulu is like a major center of like human power. So that's part of like why they had to attack it. Like it's not just a vacation spot anymore. We have to please the Hawaiian Commonwealth. <laughs> One of the four major cities, New York, LA, Chicago, and Honolulu. The uh, exo fleet has to turn around and is heading back to the, uh, the home worlds because uh, the invasion has begun. So uh, I, sh- yeah. I should
1: say that JT in this episode also... I think he says, we should go back to Earth. And then in the next episode, he says, what are you doing? We shouldn't go back to Earth. Admiral Romero to the fleet. Urgent, you return to Earth immediately. Break off the attack. We are under massive assault from Neo-Sapien forces. Captain Marcus, you've got to call off the attack. We have got to go back to Earth. No, it can't be. I, I don't resolute to all ships. The attack is canceled. Rejoin the fleet. Prepare to return to the homeworlds at once. If we have any homes to return to.
0: This starts like the uh, the tension between Marsh and Marcus, like being up front. Because I mean, he directly jumps on the comms and is like overriding his commands and belaying orders and stuff like that. When Marcus just can't get his shit
2: together. But but Marcus also panics. Like he's not a really decisive person. Because he's almost going to go through with the pirate attack. But he has to, but he has, but he bails out at the
0: last second. Oh, yeah. Can we, can we also, uh, they blow up Venus too, which is Space Australia. They uh, determined. Yeah. They
1: attack the Burns farm. Nara Burns's family gets attacked. Her brother and her dad and their (laughs) harvesters. It's the outback. I'm going to check the
0: It's the most efficient family destruction ever because it's like, oh no, mom's in the house. The house blows up, and he runs off of the combine where his dad is, and then that blows up, and it's like, well, that got, that was quick.
1: It's a it's a really specific target considering that there's <laughs> just three people on a farm in the middle of nowhere. It's like their their target priorities are they're very skewed. skewed. Like yeah, get the sphinx, get get that volcano, and get these three people.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest thing to come out of this though is we finally have our main villains. Which is kind of nice.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, out of nowhere, Phaeton is revealed to be the bad guy. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the Neosapian revolution has begun, um, and we see that Phaeton's plan all along was to have the exo fleet away. Was that just good timing for him, <laughs> that they happened yeah. to be away? I always kind of thought that he would pro- he- when he- because he, he proposes sending them to fight the pirates. That he was timing it so that when they were away that he would launch the attack. So the pirates have been around attacking for quite a while. Yeah. He, is they've, that the idea? Like, yeah, they said they've been like a problem for a while, but they were getting more brazen. So I think, yeah, Phaeton was, was always planning to scapegoat them and then unleash the war machine. I think one of the things that's kind of uh, a little,
0: it's interesting is that he not only built a fleet, but it's a fleet that's larger than the exo fleet, which I guess goes back to the whole idea that they've kind of been on a downswing for a while. I can't imagine building a fleet in secret that's larger than the one other fleet in the universe, you know? <laughs> He's just
1: really good at embezzling. This is <laughs> this is really just a, a, a financial story. <laughs>
2: it's like that Superman movie all over again. He he also he also locks that file with the password <laughs> destiny uh which appears to be all uppercase too. So like Which is very easily guessable. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not like Destiny, like one, two, four. Destiny with eyes the eyes are ones <laughs> yeah. and like a couple of question marks. It is harder to find... It is harder to delete an Instagram from my account than it is to, uh, like, learn the <laughs> entire Neo-Sapien plan. <laughs> well, they're not very creative people. We've learned that. True, they do establish that. <laughs> password. Ah, uh, Phaeton's files. But of course, they're sealed. I have to find the password. Justice? Hmm.
0: Equality? No. I have it. Destiny. I love that his, his like, the password options, too, are, like, equality? No. <laughs> Solidarity? No. Destiny? He got it in three. <laughs> yep. Like, jeez. Come on. Oh, that guy's great. Yeah, financial minister, uh, whatever the hell, brainwash. I think it's Gedis Yeah, yeah, not anymore, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I want to correct one thing. I've been saying that they're either blue or purple. The Neo-Sapiens, they're just blue. I don't know why I've been saying the purple part. You see, I thought there were purple ones,
0: too. Like, I don't know if they show up later or if they just, like, you know went cheap on the uh, the ink for a couple of episodes.
1: There's a part of this which I really like, which is uh, when JT goes to Nara and tells her, we're just being random tonight, and just tells her that, like, <laughs> Neo-Sapiens can't feel. <laughs> you know, she's, like, confiding in him. You know, he's, like, clearly looking after her and um, there's something i don't know what it is about him all the humans think neo-sapiens can't be creative and thoughtful and all these different things and marcel is the only one who has trouble with advanced human concepts all the other neo-sapiens are really well <laughs> established yeah, they have like senses of humor <laughs> they have irony i don't know it's just him
0: yeah no it's uh they, well they start this like a series of you almost feel like they've never actually talked to the to a neo-sapien like even though they're in the fleet and have all that because like there's a uh, scene in the next episode, not to get too far ahead, but where someone says something to Masala and he's like, oh no, we have that too. And it's like, do y- you think they would just kind of
2: know these things? Yes, yeah. and it's the concept of brothers and sisters. Like, Nara's yeah. like, Nara's <laughs> like, you can't imagine what it's like to have a brother and you don't see them. And she's, he's like, well, I have, mil- I have hundreds of brothers and sisters that I'm gonna have to fight, like, tomorrow in the war. Um... Yeah, yeah, so who's the dick like, now, Nara? Yeah, but she's like a hick, right? She's like not, like, you know, she's not a, she's not a, uh, she's not worldly. Blow so up. can
0: I just point out one thing from this episode that I just found it really amusing? Is that uh, after the pirates, you know, they sucker the exo fleet into close quarters where they have like these giant guns. And then once their giant guns get blown up, they go into the ice caves where they have like hologram shields. So you can't see their hidden outposts and pillboxes and stuff. Uh the guy they send in first on point is Bronsky and he's like oh no not again have they been trying to kill Bronsky for like years by putting <laughs> him on point I feel like he's like he's
1: the oldest exo trooper because he never graduated to be an officer you know yeah (laughs) it was like every review session he just never (laughs) makes it out of the exo squad
0: he never makes it out of bed to get there yeah (laughs) this is actually it's it's weird because while we have like in the previous two episodes it's been a lot of like talking and sort of examination world building and all that this is the first episode we have where it's a lot of a lot more action than we're used to
2: yeah it's a lot it's a lot um it also, um, is, uh, yeah, there's a lot more action. It also does a better job of explaining, like, how the exo-fleet works. Like, there's the exo-cruisers, and there are jump troops that are that are the infantry and the exo-squat- The, exo, the uh, Is this the first time we see force. the jump troops? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely,
0: right? Because previously they were just, uh, in space.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they wind up, I. they, they wind up being, like, a B, like, B characters, I think, in ne- the next season. But yeah, this is the first time we
0: see them. Well, I mean, just the idea that they say to JT and the crew, it's like, okay, you guys are flying close air support, is the liaison between the jump troops and you, and it's like, it's kind of an advanced concept to be like, oh, well, obviously these are two different units, so you have to have a liaison officer to call in fire support, and they're dropped off by these specific cruisers, while the exo fleet does this, and that, you know, like you said, it's sort of, you get the sense of hierarchy and structure, which we didn't previously really have.
2: Yeah, and it's, and it's rare for any kind of cartoon, especially like even a military one like there really is a good idea of like there are exo carriers that carry the e-frames and there are drop ships and there are jump there are jump infantry and like there's different people doing different things all the time and it's like a very fleshed out view of a military
0: even in uh, you know and not too start digging into a can of worms but even in like say Battlestar Galactica which is like a space military thing where you're on a ship uh it's it basically gets down to it's like oh we have pilots that also do every single other thing yeah and we have like engineers and that's pretty much it yeah. You know, like this actually feels like a fleshed out military, you know, which is surprising because, you know, we're on episode three and that show had how many seasons? But yeah, I'm still pissed off that uh, Starbuck can do everything in the world. Yeah. She's the best at everything. Like she... I, I so many good characters and it's like you just we have to keep using Starbuck. We can't give anything to like, I don't know, any of the other 30 pilots.
2: But yeah, that's a whole other uh to grind and that actually that actually ties in really nicely uh with like not to get too far ahead of ourselves but we're gonna meet other branches of like the resistance in the military really soon and it really does like there are like there are a lot of characters in this show like a lot more than i remembered so no they're like all the all the uh, neosapien
1: generals are characters with their own stories and personalities like <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll, and that's you know one other random thing that i really like about this episode is that so far like Half of the squad are, have injuries. Yeah, like t- yeah. Takagi has a concussion. Bronski's been injured. Marsh has his arm in a sling.
0: is hurt. Well, I mean, even when when they're in the ice caves, all of their e frames basically get taken out. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because you're like, wait, what? I thought they were like, you know, the be all end all and. They're approaching everything on foot from then on in
1: but i like that they're not the be-all end-all because then you're like why not just make everything the e-frames well exactly
0: yeah. you, you feel like there's a reason also can i just mention really quick to go with the injury thing the the awesome moment where nara is like really messed up and the pirates are gonna kill her and they blow the door on like the pirates like central bunker and two of them get sucked out total recall style like to their dooms
1: check the door Nara must be back there you are a brave young woman if the clans must be destroyed, you will not see
2: it. Oh yeah, that ruled. It's
0: pretty sick. Um, yeah, I didn't have any great commentary. I just wanted to bring that up because it was so awesome. Um, they-
1: there's a, a badass moment where uh, they're being shot at by like a tank, and Torres uses her laser sword and chops off the end of the
2: the the barrel which is pretty awesome the pirate trucks like the pirate assault vehicles are so sweet there's like the one that's just a giant missile launcher uh yeah there's the big gun one and like the pillbox things and and all of the pirates like their national symbol is like a skull and crossbone like a jolly roger and it's on everything like their whole society is like totally into like movie pirates it's so it's so well, rad they're, they're
1: pirates but they have a clear like order and uniforms and like you know that they all have, they have like an hr person they're they're really well organized but yeah. they're still pirates so we want to be clear that we're still pirates
0: you got to build that brand man
1: <laughs> yar strategy meeting in three yar
0: who's bringing the donuts <laughs> That missile truck, though, isn't so super, super strong because Nara like goes out of control and falls into it, and it explodes. Which oh yeah, is such a good little moment. Yeah, man.
2: Um, she's fine though. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, she's totally okay. Um, well, actually, she
0: is messed up a bit,
2: but yeah, yeah, just enough to have like a quiet, um, like a um, med moment, which is like with uh with JT. It's
1: nice that there's these quiet moments in the show where people actually talk about like what they're doing. I find that very. Cool. I don't know. You get you just get some time with the characters. It's not just, a, just fighting. You know, if this was a two-hour movie, it would just be fighting, 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 and you wouldn't get to know anybody.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the best thing, because, I mean, again, we're three episodes in, and, yeah, I mean, it's not everyone in the squad, but for a good amount of them, we have a sense of who they are, who they care about, and it's not from the fighting. It's, for the most part, I mean, there's Bronski and Takagi, but most of it has been those quiet moments where they're reflecting, they're joking. You know, building character, which yeah. is awesome.
2: Yeah, and one of the things I've noticed on rewatching it is that those moments are almost always with JT. It does kind of set up the dynamic where JT is the person they come to with problems and that he kind of reflects back on them, like, the uh, the important information. Like, they, like we see all the characters are reflected in how they deal with and talk to JT Marsh. You know, he is the sounding board, but he's also almost a little too
0: simplistic at times. Again, with the, uh, oh, Nara, they don't feel like we feel... With uh, talking about Marsala.
1: well, he's an he's an interesting character, right? Because he should be he's like he's the I kept saying calling him a captain, but he's the lieutenant, but he's in charge. I don't like his. What is his archetype? That he's just like the man of action who doesn't think, or does he appear to be more of a thoughtful? Do you think like Marcelle's thoughtful, Nair's innocent, Bronski's just all id, um, <laughs> Tikaki's just like sweet moves. De Leon. De Leon's the think. You know, like what's his? Yeah. How do you?
2: describe marsh is he just a blank slate he, he he gives off he gives off kind of a world weary vibe a lot um and like but yeah there's 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 the implication that he's like very wise but yeah then he says a lot of things about neo sapiens that are very uh <laughs> Very untrue. Yeah, Mar- 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 just because he knows
1: Marsala, who's the only one without, without jokes, he's like, they can't tell jokes, Nara.
2: Meanwhile, I've yeah. cut to all the other Neo-Sapiens, like at a comedy club. <laughs> What's the deal with five fingers? I mean, three is enough, am I right, fellow safes? <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, but he does, uh, in the next episode, pick Marsala to defend him uh, in the court martial, which is interesting.
0: ExoSquad will be back in a moment. Dude, I'm bad, kid. That's a really bad Bronski. Hey, everyone. It's Chris here. I just want to jump in here and say thanks so much for the positive response we've had so far. It's been amazing, and just knowing that we're not just screaming into the void is just outstanding. I mean, we don't advertise this podcast, and it's thanks to word of mouth and listeners like you that we are able to keep doing this. But there's something you can do. Wherever you listen, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, just echoes of someone else listening in a hallway in some dystopian winter wasteland uh, looking at you, Detroit, rate and review... That's the big thing. We want to get that algorithm kicking in so we can get more and more listeners, get more exposure, and try to cover some of the costs of making this thing. We, we do it just for fun. We're not part of some fancy dandy podcast network. Any little bit helps in trying to spread the word and make this thing a thing. And if you have any ideas of things you want covered in the episodes or features things you just want us to talk about i mean this is a cartoon that had a lot of influence on a lot of people and i don't think it ever has really been discussed feel free to reach out to us on twitter at exosquad goals or email us at exosquad goals at gmail.com we're like blown away by this it's like so insane that people listen to this we're just three doofuses just doing something fun so yeah thanks so much and keep listening and rate and review and we do it we do it for for you guys and now back to the show now back to exosquad This is very much a transitional episode because, I mean, we have, you know, literally they're transitioning from enemies, but, like, you know, it's sort of... It's not the porn movie formula where it's just enough action or just enough (laughs) plot to get to the action, but it's sort of like, you know we we want to show that the extra fleets away but we also want to have stuff going down at home and you know this is when they're like wait what yeah and turn
2: around and then of course it leads to everything going crazy from here on out there there's there's also the natural tension right that this is a show that was designed to sell toys as well as tell a story so you need to have those interludes that are you know showing off the the like the battle sequences too and i think this episode does there's a, a lot of that
0: oh no definitely like like is uh you know, for sure that's only been on two episodes the fact that they already introduced her little like liaison e-frame that's like smaller than the other ones. Yeah. is kind of hilarious. It's like, wait, we haven't even seen the other toys well enough. But... Right.
2: Should we uh should we do our uh, our heroes and then get on to uh Blitzkrieg? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Who are your MVPs, guys? I'm going to I'm going to give it off to uh Nara's little brother uh James um because <laughs> Uh, one is like, he appears to be 15, but already has like a smoker's voice and uh, like, Mom, inside! And, uh, and he, wears that ki- he wears that kick-ass hat that has the one side, just like Australian hat, just like straight up. He has this great moment too, right before that happens, where they only have like 15
0: seconds to show how good everything is on Venus. So he's just like, oh man, what a beautiful day. He goes to the back of the combine he's on, opens it up. Oh man, this is the best harvest ever! And then, like, a Neo Sapien plane blows up the house, and you're like, man, that went downhill quick. Yeah. Nothing bad could
1: happen today.
0: Yeah, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to have to give it to uh,
1: my Neo Sapien a- accountant friend <laughs> who, dis- who discovers the plot by typing in uh, a p- password guess on three tries. Um, <laughs> and then he gets yeah. his, his brainwashed. You should have trusted me trusted you to lead us into another war? Did we learn nothing 50
2: years ago? Or have you forgotten what happened in the rebellion?
1: I have forgotten nothing. Neo-Sapiens will not be secure until they are supreme in the solar system. You were my most brilliant minister. You could have ruled beside me. But you will always think like a slave. Take him to the Neural Research Center. If he thinks like a slave, we will give him the mind of one. Hey, Don, please don't. You cannot do this. A
0: war will destroy us all. I always felt so bad for him as a kid, man. He's pretty concerned.
1: He's not. He's not on board with this war, which I think is interesting. That like, the, you know, the Deo sapiens are not
2: a monolith.
1: You know, nor yeah. nor are the humans. They're not just one group who all think alike. Everybody has a personality. Yeah,
2: and, and he does say something interesting. Um, like he appears to have firsthand knowledge of the of the rebellion. Like, he talks about, you know, you remember what the, the Rebellion was like. So it seems like he's been around for a while. And Phaeton is, is really, like... Um, and Phaeton does make mention that he's, like, a, one of the closest, his closest advisors. And he's like, yeah, man, sorry, you're gone. Yeah, we, we could have ruled side by
0: side. And he says, before he drags him away, the accountant, he's like, this, this war will yeah. kill us all. You know, he's not on board. He knows where it's yeah. going to go. So. Well, that's
1: what, like, usually... I feel like there's you see these shows and you're not quite aware of... I don't even think Battlestar Galactica knows how dark it's, it's going to get, you know? <laughs> the characters don't really know. They're like, oh, the war will be great. But in this show, everyone already knows that the war will be terrible.
0: Well, exactly. You know, there's a lot of talk of, uh, you know, would you rather, you know, die on your feet or live on your knees kind of stuff. You know, it's it's very compelling, especially when Phaetons, uh I mean, he basically... He's so committed, he has one of his best friends brainwashed, and then he does that great, uh, he, like, palms Earth, holographic Earth, and it's, like, such an awesome shot. I'm gonna say my MVP is probably, I'm gonna say Simbaka. Yeah. Just because, again, you know, sort of keeping with continuity and people growing, last episode he was introduced to the idea that, you know, we don't have to die every time. (laughs) And in this episode he puts that to good use because he's (laughs) like, no, no, no. Pull these guns in, now go to the caves, now go inside, now go to the other base. And you know, it's it's one of the great things they do where you have these this threat and these characters we've been introduced to, you know, from blonde fro to mustachio, and they're not dead. They're not done. You know, they're still here. So it's just a you know, it's a loose thread that they can pick up later or do whatever they want with it. So I'm gonna say nice. some baca. Right. 'Cause someone's gotta give them some love, right? Always, man.
2: That guy yes. rules. <laughs> you- you also have to wonder how, how, like who, because he's the head of the clans. Like who he had to beat out to be the head. Like he's like, nope, no, we're like, we'll never surrender, ever, never, ever, ever, like ever, 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 ever. forever, ever, forever, ever. Forever, ever.
0: <laughs> oh man, so uh, yeah, do you want to do uh, a listener question? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. Um, we do. okay. I'm gonna just pick one of them. Uh, so this came, cartoon came out in the '90s, right? And it was a direct response from Universal Studios to the rise of anime. And, the you know, especially, like, I remember growing up, you could turn on, like, sci-fi channel every Saturday morning. And they'd be showing, like, you know, Ghost in the Shell or, you know, Akira or something like that. I guess uh, Josh, last name withheld, asks, do you feel like there was a pressure for
2: U.S. cartoons to respond to anime? What do you guys think? So I definitely, one thing that always struck me about this show is... It looks a lot like um, Voltron and Robotech. It uses a lot of the same kind of ideas, like human, like mecha robots. And there's a lot of stuff in uh, there's a lot of stuff about like groups of people dealing with like life during wartime stuff. And I feel like that was pretty common for like the anime that became popular here in America in the '90s. Like it was almost all like military stuff because that's the closest thing that was the um, I think thing culturally that we that like. People understood the most
1: yeah <laughs> no, <I'm... laughs> I don't really I don't really know but I'll tell you this it's it's nice to see you know a more adult cartoon show for for an American audience you know yeah, I remember I... I remember watching cartoons uh, when I was a kid and yeah. I guess everything kind of probably was you know from Japan or from a different and maybe dubbed yeah. into English so it was actually nice to see something that was done in English and as an American cartoon show to begin with but I can't give you an in-depth analysis of that, unfortunately.
2: That's uh, that's one thing that I I'm really glad to uh, to report here is that a lot of cartoons i rewatched that I liked as a kid like don't really hold up simply because they were for kids. So the themes and stuff, the themes and dialogue are really for kids. And Exo Squad feels like a show I would watch now. Like it feels like a show. That's as a thirty-year-old man, I feel like is in my
0: wheelhouse. No, definitely, and like you know, I was just thinking about like in the uh, in the '70s. I think it was um, it's like Space Battleship Yamato. It was kind of like a war anime. Star Blazers is what it became known as. So it's interesting to see like that sort of World War II analogous cartoon, but made from an American perspective where it's kind of taking a lot of the themes of like, you know, characters can die, battles will happen, love, loss, everything like that. But it's also kind of re-examining, I mean, it was, you know, it was the happy 90s, you know, it was like, everything was good, the internet was going to make everyone rich. And this was a cartoon that was like, oh, no, no, we're going to be the underdogs, like we're going to be beat down and scrapping for everything, which is, you know, not to get too like or in-depth on, like, you know, readings and stuff, but it's not archetypical American POV, you know? Like, it's sort of like G.I. Joe was like, you know, we're just going to kick Cobra Commander's ass every episode because we're the best. I don't know, it was, like, a, interesting to see, like, that sort of more nuanced, like, world-weary approach to animation, and, you know, that, and that, that was how they decided to approach coming out anime.
1: There's ambiguity, there's ambiguity in it, and there's not really a lot of ambiguity in most cartoons. It's yeah the same thing every time or it's yeah. very similar to it, um, good guys and bad guys.
2: Yeah, the the only thing I'd kind of push back on that though is this was also the era of like Space <laughs> Above and Beyond and the X-Files um, and like Titan AE, a lot of stuff where an alien threat, like a very large alien threat is attacking everywhere. And part of it I think could be like, things were so good in the 90s that we could allow ourselves to imagine a world where we were the losers and where things were going really bad. Things were guaranteed to be great, so we could we could allow ourselves as a culture to make things that said what if what if we were on the defensive what if things got as bad as they could by the way um I know we still have
0: like like sixty more episodes of this but when we're done we need to do Space Above and Beyond
2: because that was one of my favorite shows growing up that show ruled <laughs> uh, Cooper Hawks is an Cooper Hawks is an American hero um, yeah that dude that I I watched I think I watched the pilot of that. And I remember being like, "Oh, it's like a live-action Exo Squad. Like that show ruled." Yeah, pretty much. That was literally
0: what I thought when I saw it. Um, yeah. Man. Except the only thing is the uh, the slang for the bad
2: guys was kind of still an ethnic slur. Kind of. I believe it. Yeah, is is definitely is definitely an ethnic slur. Um. Yeah. So we might have to. Yeah. But yeah, that show rocked. Yeah. And yeah, that was also, right? Like, aliens, com- like, like we're expanding our colonies, like, things are getting really good. And they actually all, like, like one thing of ExoSquad and that show have in common is, like, they do have this unipolar thing where there's one superpower that looks a lot like America and is, like, expanding out and suddenly gets attacked and is suddenly, like, overwhelmed. And I think that was, like, a very, like, post-Cold War, nothing can go wrong, something that would attack us has to be so massive that we can't even fathom it kind of approach. Yeah, seriously. Well, guys, that
0: was Hidden Terrors, episode three. I'd like to uh, thank Eric Calderon for our intro music and outro music. I would also like to say that we come out with a new episode every Saturday, so like, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you think you can hear us, you can hear us. So, you know... I just want to thank people for uh, giving us a good response so far. And, uh, you know, for XO Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone.
2: I'm Ryan Harnady.
0: And I'm a bottle of so. <laughs> Squeaky clean. sub soap. Chris <laughs> Mastelone. <laughs> <You know, laughs> antibacterial.
1: I'm going to do that every time.
2: Holy shit. Uh, Coolio was in an episode. Of Space Above and Beyond? Yeah. What the, he plays the host. Arlie Ermy. Adam Goldberg, isn't it from uh, from *Saving Private Ryan*? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not yet make
1: this a space above and beyond podcast. <laughs> you
0: can't stop us,
1: Chris. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just We did four episodes on *X Squad* and thirty on *Space Above and Beyond*.
2: Welcome to *Space Above and Beyond*. Goals. I'm Ryan. <laughs> um, fine. After,
1: but after this, can we do *Viper*, *Mantis*, and *Earth 2? Oh. Dude, Earth
2: 2 yes. ruled! That joke kicked so much ass!
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's something kind of reassuring to know that it wasn't just me at home watching
2: these shows, that other people were <laughs> at home watching these shows. If, if, if there was a show on Fox that had that, like, like uh, graffiti uh, stencil writing, I was there. I was so there. <laughs> <laughs> I... I still love uh, the concept of Viper. It's like,
0: oh, so he's got a car, right? It's like a... (laughs) It's a Dodge Viper. (laughs)